Mana 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 Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests are not discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a director, cinematographer, and editor who has directed commercials for Under Armour, Speedo, and Lincoln, as well as music videos for 21 Pilots, Fits in the Tantrums, The Neighborhood, and several for former guest Jonathan Bates, aka Big Black Delta, including last year's fantastic horror musical short film for Summoner off Jonathan's 2020 album, Four. Please welcome Warren Commerce. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon. I'm, I'm sorry I... When you messaged me a, a while back, I wasn't even sure you really wanted to talk to me as much listen to uh, or have me listen to your uh, cast with Jonathan, which I, I still have oh. to do. But I, uh, oh, f- no. I forgive me for misunderstanding you actually <laughs> wanted to speak to me. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Sounds cool. Oh, is that? Okay. See, okay. Fair. Okay. So when, when you came back to me, I was like, oh, he wanted to talk with me. But when I read it back in context, I was like, oh, that is what he's saying. I totally missed that. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. That's so funny. No, it generally was like, uh, when you said you're listening to it, I took it as like, I'll listen to it and then let me, and I'll let you know if that's for me. And then, you know, we'll go from there. And, and so that's why when I message again, you know, however many months later, I was coming through the prism of like, you're probably busy. You haven't listened to the thing to decide whether you want to do it. Let me just put it back out there again just to see. Oh, I'm glad you did. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, yeah. this is, that's awesome. I'm glad I did too. That's so funny. As the, uh, the opening salvo of the deeply unfair, but easy to ask question. How are you? Well, boy, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's been a lot of things, I suppose. I'm I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. Uh, I'm I'm here in Montana right now, and uh, the winter recreation is keeping uh, my mental health intact. I suppose I like uh, biking and skiing and stuff. So um, you know, the winter provides for that, and uh, that's been kind of keeping me sane other than that you know the last year has been yeah struggle like for a lot a lot of folks uh you know film production work has you know been really intermittent and disturbed by the pandemic and um you know as this pandemic started you know we had just launched summoner and these projects with uh you know I, i think we did three videos for four of the big black delta album and um you know i think all the initial one summoner came out like as the pandemic was kicking off and that was kind of a a real punch in the gut because john and i had just put so much work into it that you know it just didn't seem like it was received the way it would have been had there not it didn't get released on the first week of the pandemic basically yeah (laughs) and um you know, those sort of things were kind of devastating initially, but, you know, you you really realize you get you got to let go and, you know, you have no control over uh, of, uh, you know, those things. And and, you know, that's been the case for a lot of like professional stuff this year. I, there's a TV show I've been developing for the last three years and just like Summon or something, we put a ton, you know, I've put a ton of work into um and then you know the pandemic happens and and you know it's just about it was just about to go out to market you know to all the you know streaming platforms and studios yeah and you know suddenly everything's just been 
turned on its head. And, uh, you know, it's just been such an exercise in patience, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this year that, um, you know, that's been the real trying part for me because my appetite to work and shoot and be on set is just higher than ever, even before, you know, it was kind of all taken away from us. So, um, you know, I'm constantly sort of trying to deal with that, but, um, finding my way and in, in recreation and in nature and, and sort of, uh, you know, letting go where I need to. I imagine too, I mean, some of that initial gut punch of obviously so much time, blood, sweat, tears, and very impressive, but I'm sure very complicated VFX work on your end for Summoner. But uh, in a weird way, like when you first came out, you know, it's like you have no idea that a year later we would still be dealing with the same thing. Because in the time it was like six weeks in the pandemic. Yeah, six weeks. We'll be fine. But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, as we continue, it's like there never would have been a good time in the next year to release that or probably any other <laughs> otherwise you know would have been been lauded or and, and praised honestly yeah i mean and, and it's a funny thing you know i i've had music videos you know th it's like sure th music videos are kind of a promotional thing for an album and music and obviously it's in conjunction with the release of that album, but you know, it's funny how a lot of things will find their time later or, um, you know, so I'm, I'm always, you know, open to, uh, you know, that summoner could find more eyeballs later in time or, or, or vessel or yeah. any of those songs, but it's, um, it's kind of interesting to, you want to hear feedback and see what people think, you know, right away. And sure, there's there's some of that, whether it's internet comments or <laughs> friends that have seen your work or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, John and I certainly had put, um, you know, since our collaboration on the side of the road music video, which was also a huge investment, both in terms of time and, and money in that case. But, you know, we wanted to do something on that level again. And you know, the universe was kind of a little more there to receive side of the road <laughs> at the time. Maybe that's because it was a pitchfork premiere. I don't know. But <laughs> at this point, you know, it, we kind of were hoping for the same thing for Summoner and it just didn't seem to happen. And I know that's been hard for uh, John and I, but, you know, I've also learned to, you know, measure the success of a, a project and, and my work, you know, by other standards of you know whether and that's ultimately you know how we john and i came to making summoner was you know just saying fuck all this shit let's make exactly <laughs> what we want you know and yeah. um not have to answer to anybody you know and that has you know i think as artists everyone wants that but you know it really does have its up and downs you know on creatively i suppose the project's very unleashed but you know from a producing standpoint it was very slow and hard going <laughs> yeah i uh you know i'm not sure how familiar your listeners are with summoner but yeah i mean it, it started out as supposed to being a really simple idea and then just you know really grew and you know as you mentioned at the beginning i i started in cinematography and you know quickly realized that was my initial passion with filmmaking but, you know, I quickly realized when I moved to L.A. for graduate school that I sort of 
you know, I was seeing more than just the image, although that was my initial attraction. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to kind of jump into directing, but, um, and, and side of the road really kind of was the, the marker of that for me is like, that's it. I'm, I'm doing this and, and I'm not just gonna, you know, be a cinematographer anymore. Oh, that was like the confirmation that that was the path in, in my mind. I mean, at yeah. least professionally and you know so i gave up a relatively you know good successful career as a cinematographer and you know certainly directing's a lot more competitive but we we kind of you know wanted to make something you know that was gonna be something we're very you know really proud of like side of the road and that's kind of how we got to a summoner but i had my what i was trying to say is that i don't have any visual effects (laughs) background (laughs) yeah so i essentially had to teach myself you know all that stuff to make summoner i mean i'm glad people like it when i look at it of course i see a lot of mistakes and things i change but at least the um you know that background in cinematography and understanding how camera and lenses work you know gave me a lot of sort of background of how to, you know, navigate the visual effects, but I guarantee I was not doing it the most efficient way as, as possible. So. I know for me too, that like, that's definitely, I've got to, for better or worse, like do it my way, figure out how much that doesn't work and then course correct, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very good. I need to mess up or not do things the best way to then refine that process in my head. So uh, that's, yeah. you know, that sucks, but that's just the reality for me. That's just how it has to yeah. go. And I've learned through Summoner, you know, that you have to embrace that. You know, I think some of the things I'm most proud of, of that video, you know, some of those are just discovery, you know, that yeah. um, wouldn't have happened otherwise, you know, unless, you know, you were kind of fumbling through something, you know? Yeah. And, and such as such as art. I mean, obviously, a lot of mistakes uh, become, you know, the basis for all, you know, a lot of great pieces of art or elements of them. So, you know, I've, I've learned to appreciate that and, you know, to take your time. You know, Summoner was unique in that it, it did have sort of, I mean, well, I should say this, John and I, you know, did, uh, you know, have some problems with just how long it took me to finish it, you know, and while I was kind of holding back the release of the record and the timeline and trying to like, make this video as good as I thought it needed to be. Um, You know, I regretted and was just so frustrated, you know, with how long it was taking me to get to that place but ultimately you know you realize there's just no other way you know and it's a unique project in that way because most of the time we're answering you know like a 21 pilots video or something like that you know i'm i'm answering to a record label there's a deadline and there's some good things about that for sure Sure. (laughs) you know (laughs) um but uh that's kind of you know was the rare case about those videos you know i learned to just walk away when I couldn't figure something out and come back to it when I was ready. Usually you don't have that luxury with, you know, other yeah. projects, but you're also usually working with other people. And in this case, uh, you know, it was, it was just really me, you know, hold up in a cabin in the woods in Montana, cl- clicking on buttons, trying to get this thing to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, you know, not knowing the backstory that I know was covered in your, I guess your Instagram story or whatever the, Oh, yeah. Phraseology yeah. is, yeah. So I, yeah. I watched that. But I watched the video before knowing any of that. 
And I wouldn't, like, truly, I wouldn't have known that this was you, like, in a cabin on your 2013 MacBook trying to learn VFX while you're doing it. I wouldn't have known that. I think it turned out great. <laughs> it's a great evocative video. Like, oh, Nina McNeely's choreography is incredible. Like, it's so powerful. Stunning. It's yeah. unbelievable. And to see that video, like, I completely, I would recommend going to this on Warren's Instagram page because to see just her kind of like raw choreography, just as being inspired in general. And then I think she sent that to you. It's all there. It's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, I almost forgot about that. But yeah, there's a little making of Summoner behind the scenes Instagram stories that's saved on my account if, if people want to check it out. But yeah, I just felt it was, you know, I've never done anything like that, you know, showing green screen footage and where, you know, the raw components came from and stuff. But yeah, f- uh, people really seem to respond well to that and, you know, be really interested in it, uh, because putting that project out, which was relatively dark and, you know, horror based sort of you know we call it a horror musical of sorts um you know i didn't you know i knew it wasn't for everyone and um you know it's good to hear from a lot of people that like reacted to the behind the scenes because then you you know you started to hear a lot more about how they felt about the the film itself too so it's that's something i I hope to maybe do more of in the future but yeah uh nina just yeah it was a she had posted something at home and she rarely dances anymore. You know, she's a choreographer. Um, and so she's rarely dancing herself, but I saw these pieces and I just was like, this is, you know, mind blowing. And just couldn't help, but think as mentioned in the stories, I'm just sort of, you know, obsessed with like, I don't technically like musicals. I don't like, you know, people breaking out in song and dance. Uh, It doesn't, register with me but i just find it so interesting to you know see dance express other things besides happiness which it generally most of the time is you know or joy i mean i'm oversimplifying but you know that's why i was like yeah it's like a blair witch found footage horror musical you know and when as we started to develop it more you know we were like yeah we've never seen anything like this and that was really the goal you know is that jonathan and i wanted to make something that you know we had never seen before and something that we wanted to see and and that's kind of how how we you know some summoner came to be i was curious about the dancing specifically just in your music videos because Mm-hmm. Dancing is a major component, or at least it's part of it, at the very least, of uh, your music videos of three of them, specifically, yep. for Side of the Road, Vessel, and obviously Summoner. Do you associate dancing with music in that way, or is it just part of it, like a natural collaboration with Nina? Yeah, I mean, it it, um, it wasn't... Yeah, when I think about that, I, it's hard, and I kind of go back in time of how dancing became part of sort of my music video language. You know, I suppose it did kind of come with side of the road in that I had worked with Nina before side of the road and on some other videos that she was in and I was the cinematographer and we, when, you know, I decided I'm like going all the way for directing now, no more screwing around trying to do both or, you know, walk two careers or being afraid really of, of directing. You know, I reached out to Nina and, you know, John and I were developing sort of the idea for side of the road and, and, um, 
you know, we were thinking about, yeah, like, uh, what would a digital Fred Astaire or, you know, sort of song and dance be? And that's kind of how that, that came around. And then from there, you know, really the video just was, you know, well received. And I started hearing from larger labels and stuff. And that's how, you know, the other videos kind of came around for other bands. But, you know, they were interested in the dancing component. And, you know, for me, it was kind of like, well, this is kind of an accident. I, you know, it really wasn't supposed to be my thing. Um, But I, you know, realized, you know, in thinking about it, I was like, God, I actually hate musicals. You know, like, I don't (laughs) like I think about the movies and films I love, you know, and I they always sort of take me out, you know, of the experience i get it and i understand why it works for a lot of people but then somehow you know in this stroke of luck with side of the road being that you know i realized i was like yeah it's kind of like i'm you know i actually really am interested in the anti-musical you know yeah (laughs) and it's like sure it has you know these song and dance components but it's you know like the fits in the tantrums video which is about you know somebody dancing in rage and anger and frustration I think the one-liner pitch on that was like, you know, a Napoleon Dynamite character meets, uh, uh, what was the Michael Douglas movie where he loses it in LA and goes and just... Oh, uh, Falling Down. Falling Down, yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's Falling Down falling down the musical, you know, That's sort amazing. of. And, you know, again, it's like dance and used in a different way than we would typically and i I ended up just really finding that fascinating and and interesting so i would imagine that kind of happened after side of the road that i realized i was like oh people want me to do more dance stuff i hate this (laughs) right (laughs) like i hate dance but then i had a change of heart and be like oh no what's actually really interesting about this is you know something like summoner or the fits in the tantrums video for the walker where people aren't you know, necessarily dancing out of and that's Nina in general, you know, I mean, she really opened my mind up to choreography playing bigger parts than, you know, ways we typically see it. So, you know, a lot, uh, so much credit is uh, due to her and and her inspiration. So that makes sense. I mean, like that side of the road, yeah, very organically, by the very nature of that idea, dancing was a major component of it. And then that gained traction became like a calling card of sorts. And then you became the dance guy. Based on that one, <laughs> that one thing, yeah, you know, yeah. that was the prism through which they knew you. So then they naturally think, okay, well, what a what else dance actor things, and then you go from there. The irony of, oh yeah, musicals, uh, they're fine. I, by the way, same for me in that I have a very like dumb brained approach, a thick brained approach to musicals. Where in my mind, ever since I was a kid, admittedly, was like, yeah, they could just be saying these things instead of dancing or, or singing. They could be doing that, which is like the least fun way you take. Like it makes you sound <laughs> very fun at parties. Be like, yeah, you could just you could just do these words. And I say that, by the way, and like two years ago, I finally saw West Side Story and I, I was like, oh, well, this is unbelievable. Completely blew, blew me away. So uh, maybe yeah. I'm maybe I'm relearning. I don't know. No, absolutely. And, and you know, it doesn't I've probably only gained more respect for, you know, musicals or something traditional like, you know, West Side Story. I, you know, because it really is, you know. There's so much choreography going on just besides the dance, you know, it's the camera movement, it's the, you know, so much um, goes into it. And I think that I also really, you know, respond to with dance is that, you know, when I listen to music or a song and I'm writing, you know, a treatment, I really can see like, this is exactly what's happening, you know, at this moment. Um, Yeah. 
and this is where this will happen. So, and that's usually what me thinking in terms of like the camera does this or that, but really it's the same thing that's happening on the other side. So, you know, working with Nina of like at this point in the song is where, you know, we're here and yeah. uh you know it, it, you just really realize you know how much more timing and choreography matches up with the camera un, unlike a, a i mean that's not to say it doesn't exist in a, in a typical performance with actors doing a scene there is choreography within that too it's just you know a much lesser degree you know um yeah. so uh, I've really learned to appreciate, you know, what choreographers do and, and stuff as, as I, you know, initial, initially was reluctant to, you know, be labeled that guy. And as you said, that's certainly something, you know, the business loves to do, you know, um, and if anybody's listening to, you know, uh, this, you know, I, as a filmmaker and aspiring filmmaker, you know, if there's one thing I've learned, you know, that's, that can actually be, you know, professionally a really good thing, you know, um, yeah. the people want to know what you do. There's, you know, it's such a competitive field. The more you can define yourself, uh, you know, the better. And, uh, you know, in terms of people hiring you and defining well, your work, but, you know, but so. to be to, to be known as the dance guy or whatever, it's like, yeah, but I'm known. <laughs> that's the thing. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's yeah. a win. That's a win. Granted, yep. you know, the more you get momentum, you could become more and more boxed into that. But I don't know. I, I'd say this easily as somebody who's not in this field, but it feels like more of a good problem to have than not. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you wanna you wanna make something. You know, in this, in my industry, like nobody knows something's good until it is, you know, mm. <laughs> which when you're, when you're writing and things is very frustrating, but you know, the whole industry kind of reacts to what's already successful. And, yeah. um, you know, you always hear these stories, whether it's movies or whatever, like nobody wanted it, no one would buy it. And then it's, you know, winning Academy Awards and stuff. And it just goes to show you like how much faith you have to have in your own work and project but also just how hard it is for others to see it and tell it exists oh, yeah. you know yeah i can't yeah that's i can't imagine um you know honestly it's like not to put too fine a point but it feels like a movie just to get made let alone be good is a miracle you know yep. so <laughs> so to then be able to to get through all those checkpoints to get it made let alone it be good you know after it's been approved by like budgetary people and things and that's all that, all that infrastructure, all that red tape. But then to be able to be like, well, nobody will make this only because they can't see what it'll be because it's never been made before. But then how is anything new ever made? So it's like, fuck it, we have to do it ourselves. Yeah. And then you have to do it. They show it. And then it's a hit. And that's when they realize, you know, it's got to yeah. it's got to have all these mini miracles against all odds to be able to exist in the world, let alone thrive and then have an impact. Yeah. And it, it really takes an incredible amount of resilience and fortitude to, you know, see that through. And, and frankly, you know, I would say that's probably being, you know, one of my biggest struggles professionally really, you know, is that, um, you know, you could call it fear of failure or just, yeah, lack of fortitude, I suppose. But like, just, I can't tell you how many screenplays or projects or ideas, you know, I've started and just never finished because it just becomes so daunting. And, you know, that's yeah. not part of that's my own problem of making an ambitious idea like Summoner or, you know, being obsessed with perfection and detail. And then, you know, you, most of the time you're your own worst enemy, at least in my case. For, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. 
but you know now i've just realized how you know important is just to see these efforts through to the finish line you know because that's that's really the most important thing you know um so many you know whether it's a uh, like I, I'm good friends with another director named Drake Doremus who, um, oh, yeah. you know, d- did a movie called Like Crazy and a couple other that won Sundance a while back and and um, other things. And, you know, we're good pals and that, you know, I always think about how, you know, I was supposed to shoot one of his first movies that got into Sundance before Like Crazy. And, you know, he had done a feature film before that. And I really liked the screenplay we were working on, but I saw his movie before it, you know, and it was just terrible, you know, and (laughs) I just bought a red camera and I was in debt and I needed to make money and this thing wasn't going to pay me anything, you know, and, and, you know, I watched his movie and I was like, I can't, you know spend two months on this with somebody who made this piece of junk you know and i can say that (laughs) because drake's a good friend of mine i'm not trying to but the you know the lesson was is that you know his perseverance uh is everything you know he saw that through two years of editing by himself it makes sundance then you know he makes the second movie that wins it and you know it's just uh i mean you hear it all the time from creative people but i mean you've got to make you just have to make, you know, and keep <laughs> yeah. making, even making a piece of junk, you know, that you're not proud of and others critically pan or whatever, you know, is a huge success. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> um, just to see it through and get it done, because the next thing will be that much better for it. And I, I think it was, you know, initially really hard for me to see through that. And, and certainly Drake's been a good inspiration in that for what I've been trying to do lately, whether it's develop a TV show, you know, that's a big you know, big, big project that we've developed, you know, or, or the, the scripts I'm working on now, you know, so that's really been a process of like learning to let go of, you know, when you're being too perfect, you know, or trying to obtain something that's just impossible and, and it's preventing you from moving forward or, or just, you know, uh, yeah, having the resilience to make sure what you start, you know, you finish or, at least know when to walk away from it and come back to it, you know, so. Yeah, well, it's it's tough to, again, for me, nigh on impossible, but in general, very tough to arrive at those things naturally without having to experience going too far, becoming too ex- obsessive, having too much tunnel vision to then realize I need to go there so I can then realize to dial that back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's tough lessons are still lessons. And, and I know that those are seemingly the only ones I learned from. So I can, yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Well, and, and, and you also see, too, how, like, you know, I mean, when a filmmaker, an artist, you know, gets some amount of recognition, you're then clear of an initial bar, right? And that, like, okay, he or she is the person that made, you know, this that we know, right? Yeah. So the next thing you develop or whatever is already going to have, a, you know, be that much further down the road. But, you know, it certainly doesn't mean it's going to get made, but, you know, they, they you know, work off each other. That's why just completing, you know, whatever you start is just such a, you know, a huge, uh, a huge part of it, good or not. Yeah, no, fair enough. I was curious, what are, uh, what were some of the movies that had a big impact on you when you were a kid? Hmm. Um, or even just in like not even just as a kid, just in life. Well, yeah, I mean, I um, well, I'll say this. I guess the you know um, I, I was just discussing this with my therapist. I'll share it with you. Guys. Okay. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you know I, I remember I have a real obsession with end times and the apocalypse. I suppose not yeah. so much in 
like necessarily movies about that because generally you know zombie movies things like that you know don't get me wrong they're fun and i love a lot of them but i guess i kind of like the more intellectual aspects of some existential threat films and i like one of the earliest movie going experiences i've had was seeing war games um with my parents in a drive-through and you know that movie really had an impact on me and this wasn't through filmmakers eyes this is through a child's (laughs) but because you know i just remember being really young and learning about nuclear weapons and thinking like this is really disturbing that like the peak of human you know science and whatnot is making something that could destroy all of us you know and i took that really heavy as a kid i guess when everyone else was just playing gi joes suddenly uh i was just like really starting to see like some sort of glass half empty worldview (laughs) and i you know my sister also was in this uh, an extra in this movie that no one's ever seen called amazing grace and chuck i've seen that movie you have okay yeah. yeah and it's not great by any means in terms of a, you know the film but what i really saw thought was interesting about it was you know the story is about a little kid in montana here where i i grew up who protested pitching baseball because uh, <laughs> he wanted to stop nuclear proliferation and the New York times in the movie picks up on his, the small town pitcher not pitching in his game because nuclear weapons exist. And then all of a sudden, like all these professional athletes read about this New York times story and, and start joining this kid in, this is in the eighties and the peak of yeah. the cold war, of course. But I, I, after seeing war games and then this, I just couldn't help but, put myself in this kid's shoes because I, a, I felt the same way he did, but you know, like it just felt so strange to me that here in Montana, you know, in this beautiful place, like I can go driving down a highway and there, you can see these nuclear missile silos off the side of the road, you know? And here's these incredibly destructive things in this beautiful landscape. And, and that, really sort of initially captivated, you know, I think a lot of my taste and, you know, ideas uh, of story. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until, you know, I was about 15 or so that I I started actually picking up a camera myself and filming. Most Mm. of that was just shooting ski movies with my teenage friends up at the ski (laughs) hill. But uh, yeah, figuring there was already a Warren Miller and the ski film business. So they, you know, we didn't need a second Warren. So I really kind of got, I decided to go to, you know, undergraduate film school. And, you know, that's when the, I think either my freshman or sophomore year, the light bulb really came on for me in, you know, a course where it really became clear, like what a visual language movies were, you know, in terms of, yeah. you know, this culmination of all the arts, writing, music, you know, sound design, you know, photography, wardrobe, I mean, it just, the list goes on. And how effective it was at creating a shared experience with others. And uh, I think that's where I really fell in love with it. And that time, those movies, I was really, you know, getting excited about, this is about like 2000, I suppose. You know, I I really liked indie sci-fi stuff like Solaris. And um, I actually really liked the remake a lot too. Um, I did too. And I remember too really being fascinated with The Thin Red Line, but also, uh, and Terrence Malick's filmmaking, but also the combination of its simultaneous release with 
uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> which, talk about a tale of two different wars. Good yeah, exactly. Lord. And filmmaking, too, you know, and they really, <laughs> yes. like, they both had a thin red line was kind of more up my alley, but, you know, that opening scene on uh, of D-Day on Saving Private Line just left such an impression on me because it's so visceral and real, you know, and yeah, and also just thinking about comparing those two war films and how different they were was just so fascinating, you know, as a filmmaker. And, and that's where I really started processing, you know, what I'm into, what these choices are and, and this and that. But uh, movies that really I loved, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure I'm necessarily hating answering your question because no, there is no. such a list. There was no but right answer to that question. Uh, the, these are real formative films, not all of them good, of just like, you know, A, my worldview, B, my interest in filmmaking and then you know see sort of um the technique parts of it you know and and what they sort of make but you know a lot of my other favorite films you know i um that go i really love uh ex machina recently alex garland's movie that one was the last one that really kind of just left me floored but i'm pretty yeah i'm pretty uh, you know it's very few films actually deliver on that level for me but uh yeah um trying to think what else you know what movie one movie that has stuck with me from last year and it remains is brandon cronenberg's possessor is one that i still think about yes and you know i still have yet to see that i've heard a lot about it it's very powerful it is it's a as a effectively uh bothersome if not disturbing as you would think anybody with the last name Cronenberg would make mm-hmm. so there's that it's great though like I absolutely love it it's maybe the most affected I felt like felt by any new movie from last year for sure huh yeah no I've been I've been meaning to check it out I feel like when I was sent a link to it I was in the middle of a move I have a as we've all you know gotten into watching things on smaller screens and whatnot, I still have uh, use a projector to watch most of my stuff. So yeah. I still try to watch most of my movies on a twelve foot screen at least, <laughs> so to to, <laughs> to take it in. So I I I, I really try to give it my attention kind of approximation yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to put that on my list brandon thank you and speaking of alex garland his show which came out at the beginning of last year on hulu devs yeah it was on fx man i absolutely loved it and man, he it's weird that you know he obviously he's been a very known and very successful screenwriter for you know 15 20 years prior to him going in the actual like writer director sphere with ex machina but man, he just, it's wild to see a filmmaker, regardless of whether they've, you know, for a first time or regardless of their prior history, to come out of the gate and make something so assured and confident and in like complete control. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. And uh, yeah, you, you just saw so much like discipline, like Fincher, but like, create like analytical sort of perspective and Kubrick sort of takes in it. It was a really, you know, impressive uh, demonstration as a director, as well as the story and everything else. But yeah, I, I like devs a lot. I, um, I, I, you know, I've always wanted to read into more about the production of that because 
speaking of Solaris, I couldn't help but how often the soundtrack sounds like the Solaris score, <laughs> the Cliff yeah. Martinez Solaris score. And I'm like, gosh, I know that uh, I want to say the composer is Ben something for Alex Garland's recent movies. Anyways, you know, I was like, God, is that a studio note? Like, did the studio say, like, can you just do the Solaris thing? Because I was like, honestly <laughs> thinking like <laughs> Alex Garland and these guys probably had a different intention, which I think you can hear in some of the other music in the series and then there's this stuff that sounds very similar to that and i was i just really wanted to dig into like the making of and the story they had you know doing that with fx because it's certainly you know irregardless of the music and the making of it a a, a different for tv let's say uh, let's say that so yeah for sure like he doesn't he doesn't and not that he ever has but like even as just a filmmaker he doesn't want for ambition and i'm completely in all of that you know regardless of how many films you have under your belt he knows the filmmakers that like you watch a movie and you're like oh they know exactly what they're doing and they're accomplishing it and it's firing all cylinders like the Paul Thomas Anderson's of the world and Fincher and I think Christopher Nolan I'm not so sure after seeing I say this two days ago I rewatched Tenet and I still don't know what happened at all <laughs> but but I luxuriated it. Like, I was just cackling yeah. the entire time because I was like, the world weariness juxtaposing against me having no concept of what's happening is so funny to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I have to say, I haven't seen Tenet probably because of those reviews I initially heard. And and strangely enough, I've actually kind of slowed down on my consumption of movies a little bit to really let the ones I do love get digested, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Fair. But I've also like, you know, you bring up a good point in that I almost should watch Tenet only because these days my standards of, you know, a movie are so different that, you know, if a film simply, if I wake up the next day and I'm thinking about it, I consider that a success, you know, and and that there could be a lot of other things wrong with the film. But if it just introduces even some idea, it's like, wow, I don't, that's a huge, you know, like I was talking with my my girlfriend's parents, who I convinced to watch The Square. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. And, and they're and they're pretty traditional moviegoers, <laughs> although they're open minded, you know. And they wanted to turn it off at some point, you know. I'm like, stay, stick with it, you know. And I love and, that movie. And I and the next morning, you know, I you know they they had all these questions, and then I tried to bring that up. I'm like, but isn't the fact that we're just talking about it make this movie like? warrant its existence you know like right i mean even if absolutely like, like look <laughs> something could be said for like the value of a movie sticking with you whether positively or negatively as opposed to not eliciting a response at all at all like yeah there is and, absolute and, value and, there's and something there and so many do that now you know like sure it might be like immediate stimulation and serotonin or something but besides that it's not you know right i mean uh, there, there are some movies i've watched where I have forgotten, I've forgotten the movie as I was watching. There wasn't any there there. And, you know, and that's not to say that, like, mindless entertainment or whatever the case may be isn't valuable. I'm not saying that, but that's not what I'm looking for, personally, as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just thought of some of the other films real quick I liked a yeah. lot. Uh, and, and when I say recently, this still goes back a few years, but, like, it's mocking of it. I loved A Ghost Story. Um, oh, I just I, saw that last year. It blew me away. Loved it. I thought that movie was really fascinating. What was something else I saw this year that was, uh, I, I, I really like sound of metal. Still need to year. watch it. 
Yeah, check that one out. I thought okay. that was just such a fantastic film. It sounds like it's getting some recognition. I'm uh, I'm still waiting to see Nomadland, but uh, having seen the the writer, I'm I'm curious about that. But you know, I, it's, you know, it's on, the, great. on the one hand, we have all these. You know, going back to what I was saying earlier about the business not being willing to like make something that they don't know what it is already you know this fear of risk right from the yeah that's why we see so many sequels and reboots and remakes and you know old directors still getting hired not to say they're not legitimate but you know no, less yeah. opportunity for for new people just because it's in a name and that name alone will you know get the movie seen you know on the one hand it's incredibly depressing the state of movies you know tv is obviously in a great place right now but there is a lot of inspiring stuff happening despite all that in these films we mentioned that are, are really you know playing with the paradigm and doing something new and, and for me that's always you know if you know i know we're probably trying to wrap it up here <laughs> but if anything you know that's the thing that's very exciting about you know what i'm seeing in some of those films is that you know for me i've always just wanted to make something that I haven't seen before, you know, and Summoner is certainly an example of that. And that's one aspect of it that I am very proud of is like, I can't think of another project quite like that one, you know, and, you know, that's, I realize sort of is, is often my goal, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're still telling a story and, and if the audience, you know, whatever you're doing filmmaking wise, isn't doing that, then, you know, it's not working, but, you know, I think it's really exciting, you know, some of the movies we're at least seeing that are getting recognized on, on, on the independent front outside of sort of the the studio system so um yeah, that's where right. i'm looking at going <laughs> so, no, you know, well, I'm, from a cinematic standpoint last year you know with all these bigger budget movies which get all the hype and the mentions and the clicks and everything online being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back all the way into this year it allowed all these other movies that they generally wrote off because it's like well this is a small independent movie we don't have high expectations from this commercially so it allowed them to have to cut through so much less noise to then be seen which is really nice Mm -hmm. There were quite a few great films like Nomadland I I saw as part of a film festival here at a drive-in and it was an amazing experience. Like it's a great film. The writer is unbelievably powerful film. It's one of, it's one of my favorites the last probably like 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. So she is unbelievably talented, but yeah, highly recommend that. And uh, as a wrap up point, thank you for doing this. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Anytime, Brandon. Yeah. What all, uh, if anything, do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think you should check out, uh, you know, the Big Black Delta videos. And that's how you and I have uh, connected, obviously, starting with Side of the Road from the first Big Black Delta album. And then, uh, you know, the more recent stuff we've done for four. John and I have been able to uh, sort of reconcile some of the tension we had over the making of summoner just because it was so difficult (laughs) yeah and you know i i and we did that over filming the second part of vessel or i'm sorry uh ac dork which we had started shooting during summoner and as you can tell by his facial hair you know towards the end (laughs) we finished the second half during the pandemic it it actually just happened to work out with the story uh, that time had passed you know and it it worked out but i would point folks to those those pieces um and uh yeah keep a lookout for um you know some of the tv projects uh and uh scripted stuff i'm trying to do which i you know i also hope to you know bring jonathan and and big black delta along uh 
with uh, whether in you know whether it's composing or who knows maybe we'll even get him on camera and to act again too <laughs> which i think he has awesome. some chops in so <laughs> but yeah awesome. uh, of course uh, the instagram profile is a good uh, place to find that and you know all my other work uh, commercial and documentary wise it's just on my website at uh, warrencomers.com but uh, okay. yeah yeah i'll post all that with the episode but yeah thank you again for doing this this was great absolutely Brent. thanks for talking to me absolutely thank you all for listening please take care please wear a mask or seven just stay safe practice empathy and preferably lead with it and be kind to yourself okay thanks bye